welcome, welcome, welcome back to Bricks and Clicks. Thank you to everyone who listened to our most popular episode talking about what we would do if we raised $75 million. We had some great feedback, which pointed out a pretty obvious miss. So Johnny and Colin, your hosts, are going to talk about it today. Here's what we missed and how we would keep spending that $75 million that we don't actually have. So let's have some fun because it's not our money. Johnny, Colin, welcome. Lucas, thanks for the intro. Um, yeah, we definitely missed one. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a big miss. Uh, Mr. John Corey called it out right away. He said, what about data? You got to buy that data. I want to add a little context to that. So John told me he was walking his dog down his neighborhood, listening to that pod episode. And he kept screaming out loud, say data, say data, say data. <laughs> so every time I think about that, I'm just laughing at him, walking his dog with his headphones and yelling, say data like a crazy person. So uh, yeah, big miss, big miss on our part. Sorry, take it away. Um, so syndicated data is what he's alluding to that Nielsen or IRI or spins data or um, any other data packages, really some other suppliers out there. And so the big thing, if, if a company like this doesn't have data to inform their decision making as they're growing, they need that. And so one of the first investments is really in getting a data supplier so that you can know what's going on in market and make the, the right decisions as you grow your sales team. And what does that data look like, Colin? So if say where someone was, were to go to a, one of the big data suppliers in the marketplace and purchase data, what does that data look like? Where does it come from? How does it work? Yeah. So Nielsen, we use Nielsen as the example. I think they're the, the best known company that does this. This is the same Nielsen that does TV ratings and ratings in other industries. And so their business model in the CPG space is that they actually are the ones that collect the data directly from, say, Kroger, Safeway, Walmart, all the big companies. These companies send Nielsen their, you can think of it as like the all, all the receipts at the end of the day, all the transactions that happened. And then they take this data, they make it pretty, nice and structured and pretty, and then they give access or they sell access to anyone who wants to buy it. The, the best thing is that when you buy this data, it's really clean and consistent across all these retailers. You don't have to do the data wrangling to like merge Walmart data with Kroger data. You get it all. And so then you know, okay, each retailer by each item for each week of the year, how much did I sell? What was my distribution? What was the price? And a whole bunch of other more advanced metrics that are super handy. Yeah, I mean, the data, it's a, just a, such a rich and robust data set that we get access to in the CPG industry. I think mm -hmm. we take it for granted. And clearly we take it for granted since we didn't even mention it uh, in our pod last week or whenever this aired. But I think that tees off a really good topic and it's around the annual planning process. And how do you think about it? How do we think about it when we're working with our brands and what are, in our opinions, best practices? We like to call it the planning wheel. And it always starts with measure. That's where you need the data. You need the data to be able to measure what's happening in the marketplace. How are consumers responding to promotions or price or velocities or what's competition? So it always starts with measure. So if you think about a wheel, measure's the first one. Once we measure, we then move into learn phase. We call learning or key learnings. This is where mm -hmm. we learn about what happened. So any insights we can derive, any recommendations we might make in terms of changing the upcoming planning cycle or planning tactics. Once you finish learn, then we move into planning. And that's where you sit down and go customer by customer. This is the account planning phase that you hear us talk about in the past episodes. That's the plan. Mm -hmm. And then it's the execute. So you finish the wheel with execute. It's where you go and sell in the plan to the customer, adjust on the fly, and see what happens in marketplace. So that happens over the year, and you just repeat that wheel, right, Colin? Measure, learn, plan, and execute. So today on this episode, we're going to talk about the measure phase and the data, and we want to try and measure 
and some best practices around that. So you get your data. What size of a company, Colin, do you think is good to really seriously consider going and buying a robust data set from an IRI or a SPINS or a Nielsen? Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that data is very expensive, but the good news is that there are actually other places you can get data if you're, say, a brand new company. So if you don't have, say, a million dollars to spend with Nielsen, that's all right. There's actually, you can scrape by with very little. And, and so it's, it's a little more difficult. You have to do some wrangling yourself, but there's no reason to ignore data and, and to throw your hands up and be like, ah, we can't afford it. We're not going to take a look. You can do things like point of sale data. So if, if you're at in, say, Whole Foods, you can use data directly from Whole Foods, and it's great. It gives you the key measures that you need. And then you can start to use that data that you get from other retailers to get insights or measurements yeah. right? that you can turn into learnings. So let's say you were a company that's less than $5 million in annual revenue. You're mm-hmm. thinking about this measure phase, and you have a little bit of data. You're selling in maybe one or two retailers or like a regional Whole Foods and a region of Albertsons, whatever that is, and you're able to get some some sales data, weekly sales data from uh, from your Whole Foods region. Yeah. What are you looking at, Colin? What's the first thing you're going to look at for a specific brand? If you're just starting out, the, the two things you want to really be watching are distribution, first of all. Absolutely. So within that division of Whole Foods, say, how many stores are you in? Because often what you'll find is the amount of stores you were told you were going to go into is not the amount of stores you actually ended up in. Yeah, such a good point. And short of auditing, I don't know, 50 to maybe 100 stores, which can be expensive and time consuming, uh, you can just get that right away out of these, these data sets. So distribution, number one. And then number two is some velocity or turn rate metric. Uh, my favorite, it's dollars per store per week. And that tells you how your item is performing on the shelf. And that's a number that you can use to compare across different items on the shelf too. So if the category is on average doing $10 per store per week, and you're doing $15 per store per week, well, that's a great selling story. You know that you can go into a category and, and be better than average and actually help the category. And that's retail dollars per store per week. So that's the revenue that, or the dollars that are sold through the cash register. Because yeah. Whole Foods revenue. Yeah. And that's my, I mean, you could, you could use other, other dollars, but I like the retail. I like dollars per store per week because you have to sell to retailers. So you want to kind of be speaking in the retailer language and your retailer cares, cares about their dollars. So we want to frame our, our sales pitches in what can we do for them? But then one caveat to that is you want to switch to units per store per week or unit selling per store per week when you're looking at your internal financial financials. So when you're building out your internal P&L, you want to use units because that's what drives volume, drives your P&L, right? So you have your yeah. units and that gives your gross revenue and your COGS and your trade and get your, your profitability. But the retailer doesn't care about that. So that's why yeah. Colin's mentioning dollars per store per week because that's the sell, right? To go and sell and use that to bring more stores in, you're going to use that metric. Um, yeah. So you really want to have both. It's probably the best thing to think about. Yeah. Yeah. So you need some some sense of distribution. Where are we? And you want some sense of velocity. How are we selling in those spots where we're in? And then that's in addition to, I, I guess, the, the more typical things that you would just look at is like your growth rate year over year. Like it's good to keep an eye on those, but then you always got to say, okay, why is it growing? Is it because I'm in more stores or is it because I'm selling more per store? And that's why those those two things are really so important is you understand why these top line numbers look how they look. One other thing I always look at too is the average price. So what price are we actually selling at through the cash register? So you take your dollars and you take your units. So say you don't necessarily don't have to pay for these metrics. If you have dollars sold and you have units sold, then you can calculate average price. Those are mm-hmm. different ways to save and you can do that calculation yourself. 
let's actually see what the average price is in market at this retailer. And how does that compare to our plan? Maybe we assumed, hey, it's going to be four ninety nine, and then they go and look at the data, and it's five forty nine. So the retailer's priced up higher than what we thought. Hey, let's do we need to address that? What's happening? Do we need to count for that? So looking at prices is an important one as well. Yeah, exactly. And so that's the again, if you're if you're a small company and yeah. you don't really have money to spend on data, you can get a lot from Absolutely. from some retailer portals. The time will come though when you are in retailers that you can't get data from. They just don't give data. There's a lot of these. Or there's so there's so many of them that even if you could get the data, you don't have the resources to merge these data sets together. And that's when that's when you start to need need a data supplier. Yep. Exactly. And so a, a common path is spins, which is um a bit of a discounted rate. It also covers the natural channel. And then Nielsen and IRI are really the premium too. So I have a question about that. How does the data come? Because in my head, I'm picturing a big Excel spreadsheet, but realistically that's, you're it's so, so much that you can't use, use Excel unless you have a, a supercomputer. And even then you're probably pushing your luck. So how does that data, data come? Do you, yeah. do you need a data warehouse? What, what does that look like getting, that level of industrial data for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. The great thing about these data suppliers is that they actually, they try and make it easy so that that doesn't become a problem. And so Nielsen has all the data on their end. They're not going to send you all of it at once. What you usually get is you get access to a web, web-based portal. So you log into your Nielsen portal using your ID and then you pick things that you want. So like, I want these accounts, I care about these products and this, these time periods and here's my measures. And so you go in and select those things or you create, someone creates canned reports so other people can go update them. And then when you pull it down, you can pull it into like Excel or a CSV or PDF if you wanted to. The funny story on the note of PDFs, I've seen some of these binders and people who've been in the industry longer than me will know. But when you got data, there was a time when you would literally, you could actually get the data in paper form or people would print them out. So you have like a hundred pages or 200 page binder and you like flip through to find the account and the product and the time period and the line. And then you go across and actually read the measures off. You'll see they'll have like these big rulers, these big long rulers. They'll probably be branded with like Damani or whatever you're working for, Quaker. And they'll put that and look along the, the legal size paper to make sure they're looking at a long line. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty funny. I've even seen people who translate from a PDF, they'll look at it type it into an Excel so they can get that to build their reports. And that used to be the way now. Now we've got obviously a little more technology involved, so it's not as crazy, but yeah. Yeah. So if, if you're ever logging into Nielsen or, or using the interface and you're like, man, this is kind of hard. It's like, ah, it was a lot harder. Yeah. So <laughs> you can figure it out. <laughs> but you do need to get scrappy sometimes, especially when you're not using the big syndicated suppliers. Just sort of talk to your brokers, people you might know. Talk to the buyer too. Say, hey, can you share this? Do you partner up with them? I mean, there's all these different conversations. They're probably going to say no, but it doesn't hurt to ask. Brokers are really good one, actually. As you're growing, is talking like they're interacting with so many brands. They know what other companies your size are doing. So lean on them as a resource to be like, hey, how can I get data? Oftentimes the brokers actually have a data contract with Nielsen or IRI, and they can share with you your data or category data. So um, sometimes all you have to do is ask. So I guess one last question that I have to to take us home is what about discount data? This feels like a bad idea if you, maybe you get a LinkedIn spam message saying, hey, I've got grocery data. Do, would you like to buy it for $50 or, or so, something that you know is too good to be true? Does this ever come up of someone's just using horrible data that's just incorrect or, or is that something to be, be aware of? Any sort of bad actors out there trying to provide data that's just not good at all? 
so we had a recent client actually who was just starting their retail space and they actually got some free data there was a data provider who was offering a free trial of their portal to get access to their data and you could get three polls or three three hits off of the their reporting and so we took advantage of that we said sure let's use that let's sign up for this and we were able to pull out specifically what we wanted by using their portal and that was for free and so there are certainly probably some opportunities that could come up. I don't know about these people who are sort of just direct emailing you. I mean, this is a professional data seminar where they were showing that and they advertised it. But I think you kind of have to take one each, each as it comes and see how you feel about it. But I think the thing is to look at where the data came from. Did they collect it? Because a lot of times the, big have, the bigs will have exclusive contracts with these companies. So if they're saying that they went and got Kroger data, okay, no, they didn't. <laughs> they did. They didn't collect it from Kroger because we know only uh, IRI can do that right now. And so, just look at where it came from. This company that Johnny is talking about, they actually got their data from Nielsen. Yeah, I agree. Good call. Really good mm -hmm. call. And then one other piece too: if you're selling online, your store, like you have a DTC store, that's free data. That's a great source of data that you can use. And and don't ignore that data. You can just look at it, see what your sales are, see what products are selling in terms of my top seller online is probably going to be my top seller in store. Um, you could even play around with pricing and see what happens there. But that is a free data source that you control and you own the data. Mm -hmm. And your email too, just what promotions tend to work better? What do people like? Where where are they? If you're planning your, your retail strategy or to start to get into retail, if you know you have a lot of buyers or a lot of customers in Texas, start there. Don't aim to go Northeast and into Pennsylvania because no one buys your products there. So I think that wraps up the first part of the planning wheel, the measure phase. We'll be back with future episodes to talk the next part. So uh, learning will be next uh, for, the, for the wheel. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Yeah, Thanks, and everyone. If wanna, and if you want to keep learning, make sure you hit that subscribe button because the data is no good if you don't know what to do with it. Yeah, we're tracking the downloads, the likes, the shares. If, if you don't download this, we will find you. <laughs> We know what you're buying. You, you claim to be vegan. We got the truth. I I knew it was too good to not be butter. <laughs> Thanks so much, Lucas. See you, Lucas. Butter. See you, Colin. <laughs>